Welcome to UCM Veterans Voice, a podcast sponsored by the Military and Veterans Center at the University of Central Missouri. My name is Garrett Fuller, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dewey Ball, the certifying official at the Military and Veterans Center, Andy Shaw, a junior studying pre-physical therapy, and Kenny Wall, a graduate student who just started studying college student personnel administration. Tonight, we're joined by a guest, Cameron McWilliams, a senior engineering tech major. Today, we're simply going to be introducing ourselves. Dewey, Andy, Kenny, and our guest, Cameron, have all been deployed in the armed services, Uh, so we're going to let them share their experiences and their life story. First up on the chopping block is Dewey Ball. Hello. Uh, So I guess a a good first question is, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Carthage, Missouri. It's in the southwest corner of Missouri down by Joplin. Okay. So how did you get uh, interested in the military in the first place? Well, it's kind of a long story, but I'll give you the condensed version. I had graduated high school, was hanging around in my hometown just getting in trouble, and I got in just enough trouble that I was given the option. I could go into the military or do something else, and I chose the military. I think a lot of people would rather than going to prison. Hey, I didn't say that, Garrett. So, what did you uh, originally do in the military? Um, I was a weapons loader at 2WF-1, as we're affectionately called in the, the Air Force. So, I loaded the weapons, the bombs, the missiles on the aircraft. The nukes. Yeah, yeah. I did some of that. So, uh, where was you uh, originally stationed at? I started out in Mountain Home, Idaho, and again, that's kind of a funny story that I always like to share. So when you go in to basic and then you get to your tech school, you have what's called a dream sheet where you'd like to go, and I put everywhere overseas, and of course, they sent me to Mountain Home, Idaho. So there was a silver lining, though, because we deployed all the time. So my four years there, I deployed uh, 12 times, if I remember correctly, nine times overseas, and a couple times at like Las Vegas or Alaska, things like that, but constantly we were we were going somewhere so I guess it kind of took care of my travel bug so what were your experiences in the military like Uh, was it something you regretted or no absolutely not I recommend it to everyone I think it's I think there's a lot of people that could use the, the the level of responsibility that you get the discipline that you get um traveling, meeting other people from all over the country, and it's a unique situation no matter where you're from, whether it's New York or Texas or California or Missouri, you all come there with a a mission and you find ways to accomplish that, and it's a really good thing, um, kind of transcends some of the, I don't know, I'm trying to look, figure out a better word than the silliness that I see sometimes we get caught up in when you have real things going on and you you just find ways to work together and you overlook differences so yes 
So you said you were originally uh, stationed in Idaho, even though that was not your first choice, but you eventually got to go abroad. So um, where were some of the places you got to go abroad, and what were those experiences like? Um, I cannot remember my first location, but I deployed to the Middle East nine times. Uh, Jordan, Oman, Bahrain, Qatar, Turkey, Saudi Arabia. And those experiences will last with me forever. You know, it was just something that not everyone does. I should also go back a little bit because I went in in 97. So I, I went into the military before September 11, 2001. And at that time, we were um, operated a little bit differently. It was still serious, but not as serious. So after 2001, September 11, things changed. So my first few deployments overseas were leisurely very leisurely yes thank you Andy I didn't want to say it but yeah they were they were somewhat I mean you went over and we were still doing a job at that time we were enforcing no-fly zones over Iraq uh, but it was not nearly you know the situation that comes a few years later so my uh, first deployment over was leisurely in a, a sense it was work and we worked but you also got to see uh, the culture the people the food and all of that and i really felt lucky to get to do something like that so where was your favorite place to be uh, deployed uh bahrain was very interesting to me it's a uh, unique at the time and I, I don't know if it's still this way but at that the time in the middle east that was kind of considered the the holiday place like they were a little bit more laxed on uh, the laws within the, the community and people went there to a um, lot of gold shops what they call souks and uh, food was great the people were it was kind of a touristy place but uh, Saudi Arabia for example we were locked on the base you couldn't go off the base now they brought people on to do different things and they would do you know uh, hire outside chefs or whatever they would come in and cook food but you never got to actually go see Saudi Arabia Whereas Bahrain, you could freely go around and you felt comfortable and people wanted to engage you and speak with you. So you actually got a more um, engaged sense of the culture and the people and who they were. And so for me, yeah, that one really stuck out. And it was one of my early deployments too. I like Turkey also, but that was, a, that was a different story. So traveling, you must have traveled to some other places when you were coming back or you weren't deployed. Uh, what were some of your favorite places uh, just traveling, uh, not for not where you were deployed? Mm, I actually, most of my time when I got leave in the military, I would come back to Missouri. I have a, a big family. I would come back and see them, spend time with them. So I, I didn't really travel on my own while I was in the military. And most of the travel that I got to do was through deployment. So I did get to go to Alaska. I brought that up earlier. I saw the Northern Lights. That was an experience, beautiful. Um, seeing bears and moose walk around out there like it's nothing. Uh, Las Vegas a couple times. My first time in Las Vegas, I won 1500 bucks, so I was hooked <laughs> right off the bat. I thought, Damn. I'm going to win every time. But yeah, that's not the case. <laughs> uh, but luckily, it was a deployment, so I was there working and still making money, so everything worked out. But... Um, then later in my career, I came back to Whiteman. I did a base of preference, and I got stationed at Whiteman for a couple of years. And from there, I got orders to Korea, to South Korea. 
and that's where I I ended. I got out from there. So, what was Korea like? I really liked it. At the time, it was one of those. It's one of those set of orders you get that you don't really look forward to because so many people talk badly about it. And so I was kind of set up in that mind frame like it's going to be a, a crappy uh, duty station, but it, it didn't turn out that way. Um, I'd already traveled so much and was used to that, and I didn't necessarily need the best accommodations, and I was fine with just a small dorm, and, you know, so... Everything worked out. I went there, and I actually extended for a year while I was there. And it kind of is a good segue into what brought me into school. So I started school there. They had a satellite campus from University of Maryland. And when we weren't exercising, uh, the only other thing you really could do on base was take classes. And I started doing that. And that got my foot in the door. I, I was not a good student in high school. I didn't take it seriously. I started taking it more seriously. By this time, I'm in my mid to late 20s. So, you know, things are different. My mind frame's different. And I enjoyed it. And also, I was there. I started, uh, I volunteered to teach English to the, at the local schools. And that also turned into something, which is what I, I do here now. So, yeah, a lot of things happened in Korea that have led me to where I'm at today. So, how did you come to UCM from Korea? So, as I mentioned before, I started my undergrad there. I came back. I had about a year left. I finished out. Um, I also had volunteer taught there. So when I came back and got my undergrad in psychology, I went back and taught for a, a year. So at this time, I'm out of the military. I went back to a small town called Mokpo, and it is the country part of Korea. It was in the southern, I think it was the southwest part of Korea. Uh, right down by a bunch of islands. People actually spoke differently there. You could hear it. So like if you go to Mississippi or Alabama here in the States, you can hear that drawl. A different dialect. Yeah, and I could hear this Korean dialect. So, uh, for example, Yoboseo is how they answer the phone. So you call someone, Yoboseo. You call someone down there, it's like, Yoboseo. <laughs> it just cracked me up. I mean, these were country people, but I loved them. Uh, it was the, the food there was great. The people were great. It's a good experience. I taught for a year at a private academy, so I taught everything from young children to adults. And I, I went away from that experience thinking I'm probably never going to do that again. I'm probably not going to teach again. Um, that wasn't what I was going for. And I came back after my year of teaching there, I came back here to uh, finish or actually begin my master's in psychology. So yeah, that led me back to here and led me to uh, Warrensburg. Okay. And what did you get your master's here at UCM in? And therein is the, the big turn of the story. So I came here to do my master's in psychology. Uh, I was about two years into the program, had finished my coursework, was working on my thesis. I got an email one day about a possibility of doing research with international students. And I went and met with this group of people that sent the email, not having any idea what they actually did. Well, come to find out, they were the English uh, language center here on campus for international students that need uh, help with, you know, English, academic style English. <clears throat> and as we talked and kind of finished up this interview, you know, conversation, they asked me if I'd be interested in teaching. And I thought they were asking me to volunteer teach. And I told them, no, thank you. But they 
you mentioned, well, it was it doesn't pay much, but it will help with your tuition. And you know, so then I realized, oh, they're actually offering me a job job. And I thought about it, and I decided to do it. So that's led me into the MA uh, uh, TESOL, which is Teaching English as a Second Language. That led me into that program. So I just finished that last semester. And because of my layover with my MS in psychology, I have two classes to finish that up. So I'm going to finish. I finished my MA in TESOL before I finished my MS in psychology. So, yeah kind of a backwards way to do everything, but as long as I get it done. Yes. So how did you get involved with the uh, Military and Veterans Center here on campus? Actually, I was looking for a full-time job. Um, Beth Rutt over at the rec center where I was working at at the time recommended it. She knew of the jobs, like, hey, there's a, a job that's right for you. You should get on and apply, and I did. Uh, and yeah, I'm very happy there. I met Courtney and Kelly. This was back in summer of last year. I just walked in and introdu introduced myself, so I put an application in, and we spoke for a few minutes. And uh, about three weeks later, they gave me a call and said I was hired, and I started in August of last year. So thank you for sh uh, sharing, Dewey. Uh, next, we're going to talk to Andy about his experiences so I guess where I'm going to start with Andy is the same as where I started with uh, Dewey. Where are you originally from, Andy? I was born in California, Orange, California. That, that's an actual city. It's called Orange. And then uh, moved to Warrensburg, well, moved to Columbia uh, while my dad was getting his, um, while he was going to state trooper school and getting his degree. And then uh, I was mostly raised in Warrensburg. I've been here since... I was five, I want to believe, so the my family's been here for about two decades, and uh, so yeah. so you're a townie. As much as I hate that phrase, yes, I am a townie. Uh, so I guess my question, going kind of like what I did with Dewey, what got you interested in the military? Uh, I was a lot like Dewey in the sense that I didn't really apply myself in high school. Uh, never really thought um, I was going to go to college because I didn't know what to do or what I wanted to do. Uh, my dad was in the Marine Corps. He went right after he got out of high school, so I figured that'd be a great way to delay my decision. <laughs> so where did you start out in the military? What did you start out doing? Where did you start out... I uh, I went to basic and at MCRD San Diego, the Marine Corps Recruiting Depot, and then from there, uh, after uh, like a month of combat training, uh, I got sent to Monterey, California, which is home to uh, the Defense Language Institute, or DLI for short, and there they taught me how to speak Pashto, which is the native language of a large majority of Afghanistan. So what did you do after uh, finishing up at the DLI? Okay. Uh, after DLI, I was uh, sent down to Texas and cross-trained as a signals intelligence um, operator, I guess. And uh, then I got, I finally got to my unit, I want to say like two and a half years after um, I first went in. So I was in training for two and a half years. 
and then I got to my first unit. Shortly after being there, I did, knew I didn't want to stick around, so I was looking for any opportunity I could to get out of there, and luckily enough, I was really good at one particular type of signals intelligence, and that's what they needed, so they picked me up, and I started to work up probably about th two or three months after I got to uh, uh, Camp Pendleton, which is a little bit north of San Diego. So you were born in California, and they shipped you back out to California, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes, thankfully. Uh, I was not too keen on going anywhere else. Uh, and I'd, I'd already been in California for like a year and a half while I was doing my language school. I really liked the northern part, so I figured the southern part couldn't be too much worse. Okay. What did uh, signals intelligence, uh, what did that kind of entail? So signals intelligence is, um, uh, how can I put this without getting arrested? <laughs> uh, basically the exploitation of uh, anything that sends out a signal and using that exploitation to collect intelligence on it on uh, basically any enemies we have, which, yeah. It's, it's, it, was, it was a pretty cool gig. I never, I didn't know anything about it going into it, and I was pleasantly surprised that it, it was something I turned out to enjoy. So you went from California to Texas. Where did you go after Texas? Uh, so Texas, they sent me back to Cal Camp Pendleton's in California. Okay. And then uh, from there, um, I got to go to Texas again for uh, SEER training. I got to go to Washington for uh, Aquatic Aviation Survival School, and I got to, I think that was about it as far as the workup goes. And then from there, uh, I got shipped out to Afghanistan. You might let them know what SEER training is. Uh, SEER training. What the hell does that stand for again? Survival. Survi survival, evasion, uh, resistance, and escape, I believe. Okay. And they basically train you, like, if you ever are to get captured, how to get out of it and then um, how to stay not captured in a hostile environment. That's pretty interesting. So after Washington, uh, it kind of got real after that. You actually were shipped out to Afghanistan. Yeah, so uh, after we did all of our workup, which is about, uh, I want to say about nine months, and uh, I think September of 15 is when they shipped us out to Afghanistan. I was there for about a month, and then they said they needed more forces over in Iraq. Again, I was really good at what I did, so they sent me and a couple other uh, of, of Marines from my detachment over there to help supplement. And I was there for the next 11 months because I decided a year was a great way to spend or to spend a, a great way to spend a year would be over in the desert. Now what time frame was this? Was this before or during we had uh, conflicts over there in Afghanistan and that area like or was this still when things were pretty more or less tame even though that's not really a good word to use for it. That's not a bad word. Um, 
So whenever I first got to my unit, um, the guy who ended up being my squad leader, the first thing he ever said to me was, welcome, you missed the war. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a great way to be welcomed into the unit. But, like I said, he ended up being my squad leader, and um, we, we shipped out together and uh, in 15. And I, it, was, it was fairly tame. There was not a whole lot going on. I caught like the tail end of Operation Enduring Freedom and then in Afghanistan and then in Iraq I was there for the first and the second phase of Operation Inherent Resolve but I mean it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of threat comparative like if you compare it to like a couple years prior like 2012 I think was a heavy year 2013 was a heavy year so 14, 15, and 16 were not anywhere near as uh, hostile as those years. So which was your favorite? Uh, did you prefer Afghanistan or I, uh, Iran? Or was it Iraq? Sorry. Iraq. Iraq, okay. Uh, which one did you prefer? Uh, Afghanistan was fun, but we were they already had like an established military base there, so we couldn't really go off it or do anything except on the base. But uh, Iraq was kind of different. Um, we were operating kind of by ourselves. There was still like a lot of people there, but we were very far away from anyone with a whole lot of authority. So we got to go off our little compound, like out into the town, which was pretty cool. Um, if you've ever been uh, the only person of the same skin color in an entire mall, uh, you kind of know what that feels like, but it was it was kind of a, an eye-opening experience uh, to get to experience that. So I would say probably Iraq was was more fun than Afghanistan. So what happened after deployment uh, ended? After you did you come back or what happened? No, I died over there actually. Andy's <laughs> 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 so, ghost. Yeah, he looks pretty healthy. <laughs> I am pretty white though. Uh, so I, I come back and I had about a year left on my contract and I, I was, as I was coming back, I was thinking, what is the easiest job I can do for the next year so I don't have to work that hard? And it turns out uh, instructing was, uh, was that job. So I got in really good with uh, the, the lead for that program at our, at our battalion. And I was like, hey, I've done this. I'm really good at it. Teach me how to teach. So he did. And um, I got to be an instructor for the remaining year. And it was, that was probably one of my favorite years um, out of the five that I did because I got to, I got to learn how to teach. And on top of that, I got to help uh, Marines, like future warfighters, go out and like learn how to do these things correctly. That way they can possibly save lives whenever they go out. So which branch were you in again? So you're in the Marines, right? Yeah, I was in the Marines for five years. Okay, so you were in the Marines five years. I know Dewey, he was in the Air Force. How long was you in there? Uh, just under nine years. Nine years. Coming from the military, how did you get here to uh, UCM, uh, Andy? The So whenever I got, whenever I went in, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Whenever I got out, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I came back home and... Uh, Parents were gracious enough to let me in, and I kind of just didn't really do anything for about a year. Eventually, uh, I got I, I I got around to actually going to college, taking some classes, and uh, that's how I got to UCM. 
So you're currently uh, a junior studying pre-physical therapy. So when are you uh, going to graduate here at UCM? I will not be graduating from UCM, unfortunately. I'll be uh, moving on to Mizzou next semester uh, so I can pursue their doctorate program in physical therapy, um, which kind of sucks because I've made a lot of good friends here, and I really enjoy my job at the Veterans Center. But it's it's just something that's got to be done, unfortunately. We're going to miss you, Andy. Thank you. I guess instead of UCM, what do you hope to do after you graduate from Mizzou? My end goal is um, I want to work with uh, wounded warriors, help them help those that have been injured either via combat or just, say, training accident or just like a car crash, get them back to where they can do their job effectively because what they do is important, obviously, in my opinion anyway. And... Um, I feel like the the shared connection of uh, me being in the military prior would, would kind of help with uh, the rapport between me and my, my patients. Certainly. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Andy. And I guess uh, next on deck is Kenny. So where are you originally from? I'm from Oak Grove, Missouri. It's uh, about 30 minutes to the east of Kansas City. Okay, so just right up the sh- uh, road, basically. Yeah. How did you get interested in the military? So, uh, a lot like Dewey and Andy, uh, I really didn't apply myself in high school. Um, We're a bunch of troublemakers. Yeah, a common yeah. theme here. <laughs> a lot of it had to do with that just wasn't my learning style. I was more of a hands-on person, rather be outdoors than sit in a classroom and listen to somebody tell me what they thought was important. Um, so I, I always knew that I wanted to serve. Uh, my reasonings for that kind of changed as I got older. Um, I guess kind of a patriotic duty um, along with just I wanted to do something that mattered so that kind of filled both of those. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps, and the reason why I chose that branch is because prior to meeting my dad, my mom was engaged to a guy who went to boot camp for the Marines. And growing up, I had heard her tell this story about how he came back and he wasn't the most pleasant person when he got back and uh, trying to refrain from, from using the same same words. But uh, I thought, you know, I, I'm not really the most pleasant person either, so I feel like I could fit in with that group. <laughs> and uh, so off to the Marine Corps I went. You might say he's a little disagreeable. <laughs> How did you start in the military? Like, what uh, roles did you start at? Where did you start at? Uh, what base, et cetera? And what branch were you in? All right, so um, I was a Marine. Um, like Andy, I went to MCRD San Diego for boot camp. Um, after that, I went to the School of Infantry, which is on Camp Pendleton, California. Um, and then... 
I luckily got assigned to a unit that was like two miles from the School of Infantry. So we literally like took our bags and walked down the road instead of getting on buses. Um, so I was in the infantry and I mean, that's, that's kind of like the basic part of the military, I guess you could say. Um, everyone else kind of is in a supporting role of the people on the ground. And uh, so that was a big reason why I wanted to join the infantry. Uh, I felt like that was the most important job. Not that they're not all important, but um, and it, it, it's a different culture than the rest of the military. The infantry is, for lack of a better word, it's, it's a cult. And uh, I really fit in well there and um, made a lot of great friends. And uh, it, it kind of changed who I was as a person. And uh, so I'm, I'm more of that person now than I, I would have been if I wouldn't have joined the infantry. So you're de- uh, you were deployed. So where was you deployed at? Yeah, so it's kind of a funny story. While I was at the School of Infantry, uh, once we got assigned the units and um, the battalion commander for 1st Battalion, 1st Marines came and talked to us and, you know, kind of welcomed us on board. And uh, he said, well, we're slated to go on a MEW, which is like a Marine Expeditionary Unit. So basically you're stuck on a ship. And I'm, this is not what I signed up for. Uh, I signed up to go fight war, not ride around on a boat. So right off the bat, I already felt like I made a mistake. Um, I got into that unit in January of 2012. And then by February, they said, we're going to Afghanistan. We just got put on, um, we got put on a special assignment to do Hilo raids. And our company was the Hilo company. So really we lucked out on it or we would have just been riding around on a boat. Um, We left for Afghanistan in June. So as Andy talked about doing like a nine-month workup, we did a four-month workup. And these are, most of the battalion was made up of new Marines, which we call boots. And um, so we didn't have any experience, never deployed anywhere, and now we're going into Afghanistan. We're going to be doing helo raids and being in the thick of things. So it was a really eye-opening experience. Um, After my Afghanistan deployment in 2012, I was back for probably six months. We started a workup to go to Japan um, and train some of their forces. Um, I was stationed in Okinawa And then we went to mainland Japan and did some cold weather training at Mount Fuji. Um, And then we went to Thailand and trained the Thai Marines in the jungle. So I got 
a pretty vast area of jungle and cold weather. I mean, when there's like wild elephants running down the range while you're in the middle of training, <laughs> it's it's a pretty cool experience. So you said uh, you ba- uh, you all basically had very little training going into Afghanistan. What was that like going zero to 60 in four months, essentially? So before you go, you think training is, is super important and, and you can never know enough before you go into a situation like that. Uh, when you're in it, it's pretty simple. Don't get shot and shoot back quick. And so the that was the best training there could be is actually doing it in real life. Um, I mean, when we train, we, we try to make it as real as possible, but there's not rounds coming back at you. So when there is rounds coming at you, it, it changes everything. And so I think that's the best way to get the experiences to actually do it. So out of all of the places you were stationed, which one was your favorite? Um, or I should say deployed. So for for two different reasons, uh, I mean, you don't join the infantry to not want to go and fight. Uh, so with that being said, Afghanistan was my favorite because I actually got to do my job. And uh, it was a very addicting feeling, uh, the biggest adrenaline rush I've ever had. And uh, then Japan and Thailand and and all the cool places we got to go actually get off base and experience the culture and see cool things that I probably never would have seen otherwise. Um, so it was more of like a relaxing kind of fun deployment when we weren't training. But uh, I think out of everything, I, I miss Afghanistan the most just because it, it kind of became part of me. Yes. Whenever I think of people who joined the military, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people actually don't want to be a part of the military. They don't want to be on the ground. Uh, so what made you kind of want to be that part of the uh, service? Uh, actually being the person on the ground who is literally right there on the front lines. What kind of made you, or went, uh, made you want to do that instead of, do something else that it's not as risky? So uh, growing up, I mean, my, my dad was really tough on me. And uh, so there was just a constant back and forth of dominance, I guess you could say, growing up. And uh, so about 17 years old, you know, I, I feel like I'm the most manly person ever and uh, got kicked out of the house and, you know, I, I gladly went because I was going to show him. So I had the mentality of just being like the manliest man that I could be. And that's why I wanted to do the hardest job that I knew of. And that was it. So, I mean, it's not a great reason to put your life on the line, but that's, that's kind of why I did it. Yeah, it worked out for you, right? I'm, I'm still here, so... <laughs> So what was one thing that it kind of that the service over there in Afghanistan? What was one thing that it kind of taught you, like that you took away from it? My whole perception of what family means changed being in that environment. Um, I mean, I'm with guys from every religion, race, 
you know, mentality, political opinion that there is. And uh, at the end of the day, we just had each other's backs. You know, for whatever reason, you join the military and you go serve. When you're in a combat situation, none of that matters. It's all about making sure that your buddy to the left and right of you makes it back home. And uh, so that really just changed my opinion on what family and friends really are. And uh, so, like, most of the friends I had in high school, I, I just didn't feel a connection to them anymore because I knew what true friendship was, you know, when you lay your life down for your buddy. Like, it's, it's much more than just hanging out on the block and doing stupid stuff. So, um, and family too, you know, I don't, I don't really deal with the, the nonsense like I used to. And it's because the guys in the Marine Corps, we, we didn't deal with that. And if there was problems then we handled it and then moved on. So. I'd say that's a pretty good lesson to learn. Yeah. So going from the military, um, what did you do uh, after the military? How did you get out of it? So as Andy kind of mentioned, the uh, the war kind of died down in around 2015. Um, that's when my contract was up. Um, I had tried to go on a couple more combat deployments and those fell through. Um, so I just decided, you know, I'm not going to be in a career where I don't actually ever get to do my job. Uh, the best way I can explain that is like a football player who goes to practice every day but never gets to play the game. Um, eventually they're going to get pretty tired of it. So um, not really having a plan because that's what I truly wanted to do, but um, I just knew that I wasn't going to do well in the environment where we weren't in conflict. So I got out and about three days after I got out, I started a job at a construction company um, as a sheet metal worker. And I picked up on that quick and it was kind of kind of the same culture. Um, the, the conversations had by everybody working there were, were pretty uh, politically incorrect, I guess you could say. And uh, so I fit in with that, that group a little better than some of the other possibilities. And um, so it was a day kind of like today, just super cold outside. Uh, we were working in a building with, with no roofs, no windows. And uh, some of the older guys, you know, in their 40s, early 50s, were just struggling to, to do their work, couldn't, couldn't use the 10 snips. And it, it just hit me all of a sudden, like, hey, I already beat myself up pretty bad in the Marine Corps. And I don't know if I got another 30 years in me, like I'm going to be like these guys and not be able to do my job. So I better figure something else out. And uh, so I decided to, to get a degree in criminal justice. And so found my way to UCM and, and started that whole journey. So you recently got your undergraduate in criminal justice, correct? Correct. And now you are, you just started, you're working on your graduate program to become a college student personnel administrator. Uh, what kind of made you change uh, 
lanes and go from criminal justice to a uh, CSPA? So I I had a pretty rough transition out of the military. Um, I kind of hated everything and everyone. Um, So coming to college, I'd I'd go to class and I'd go sit in my vehicle until the next class. I didn't want to be involved in anything extra. I was just here to get my degree and, and start start working. Uh, one of the other veteran students talked me into coming into the center, and it's uh, so a long story short, I, I slowly started getting involved, and uh, it, it really made a huge impact on me and helped me with my transition. Uh, so it's it's kind of a way of paying it, it forward. You know, I they helped me through my transition, and I'd like to to help others with theirs. And I found a, a passion for helping veterans in doing that. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. It helps me and I get to help others. That's pretty admirable. So what do you plan on doing after you get out of UCM? You kind of touched on that, but do you plan on staying here or do you plan on going somewhere else? So, I mean, it's, it's not like there's a ton of like director positions for military and veteran centers, but um, there are quite a few colleges and community colleges in Missouri. Um, but if a job somewhere else pops up, then, then I'm going to take it if it's the right fit. But I'd, I'd like to be a director of military and veteran services. That's great. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, next, we're going to go to our guest, Cameron McWilliams, and let him tell his story as well. Uh, so I guess starting off with you, Cameron, uh, where are you originally from? Uh, usually I just tell people Independence, Missouri, because they know where that is. Um, but I lived out in the country. Our address is Buckner, but nobody knows where Buckner is, um, except for Kenny. He was just mm-hmm. down the road from me, really. But yeah. it's kind of the Blue Springs, Grain Valley area. Uh, if you know where Lake City is, that was based in my backyard. I saw all the trace rounds they test out there every night <laughs> and all the ammunition that they uh, – shoot off and test out there. So that area, not too far from, uh, you know, KC. So what originally got you interested in the military? Uh, My dad was also a military. So um, I just, from a young age, I knew that I was was just going to kind of follow in his footsteps. Uh, Not necessarily the same career in the Air Force, but um, he went in uh, just to get away from his father, uh, they had a strained relationship. So when my dad joined right after, well, actually he joined um, and left for basic training uh, before his senior year. He already had enough credits to graduate high school and left before his senior year of high school. Um, but he went in to, and he had no idea about anything about the military. Nobody else had been in the military in our family. Uh, all he knew when he left for basic training for the Air Force was they had blue uniforms. He, he went to the first branch that would take him as quickly as possible. And, uh, it worked out. Uh, that's what put the you know, roof over our heads, uh, food on the table. So I just naturally thought, you know, that's the route I was going to go. Uh, turns out my dad was a mechanic all, uh, his whole career other than just a few short years when I just happened to be in high school, you know, thinking about joining the military. The time that I would have been signing up, uh, he decided to become a recruiter. So my dad was actually my recruiter. <laughs> uh, so it, it didn't take much uh you know, from the parents to try to sign up early because he already had the paperwork done. So I went in at 17. So after high school, where did you start uh, in the Air Force? Uh, what base? Uh, what was your role in it? 
Well, I'm actually still in. I've always been uh, uh, Air Force Reserve at Whiteman Air Force Base. Uh, I've been in almost, it'll be uh, 18 years this May. Wow. So, uh, so what did you uh, start out as? I started out, I'm, I'm still in the same career field. I started out as, I'm a 2, two Alpha 7X1. That's an aircraft machinist and welder. Um, I did that for the first four years of my career, cross-trained uh, to 2 Alpha 7X3, which is a sheet metal worker on aircraft. I uh, did that for about two years and then went back to the machine shop. Uh, now I'm the NCOIC of my shop. I've got 13 troops. So now I'm, I'm training them on uh, machining, welding, flight line operations, um, basic military life. Okay. Um, so, and you started at Whiteman's too, or did you start out at a different base? Yeah, I started at Whiteman. I'm still at Whiteman. Um, Actually, th this is why I'm the guest tonight. I won't be here most times uh, for this show. I'm usually at work at this time. Uh, I have a dual status job with the federal government. So my civilian job requires me to be in the military, uh, military reserves or Air Force reserves. Uh, so I do the exact same job as a civilian Monday through Friday. Uh, then I, I put on the uniform one week in a month. And then my two weeks a year, anytime I'm called up, I've uh, done three combat tours now over the years. Where were those tours, too? Uh, all Afghanistan. Uh, first one was uh, 2006. I went back in 2008. Uh, then I had a 10-year break between deployments. Our unit went constantly, but uh, we never take the full unit. We never take a full package. We just take a certain amount of aircraft and a certain amount of personnel. So um, I didn't go back until 2018 for my third tour. Yes. And, of course, you all, uh, your uh, white men is well known for the B-2 bombers. So... Did you ever work on that? Or? I've done a few jobs for them, but I, I primarily stay with the, uh, the A-10 aircraft. But okay. when we deploy, we work on everybody's stuff. We're not uh, aircraft-specific in my career field. I've worked on uh, naval jets, Army helicopters, Blackwater's jets, uh, CIA stuff. So if it has metal and you can machine it and <laughs> weld it, I work on it. <laughs> what are you doing here at UCM? Uh, what is your uh, field? Uh, with the engineering tech, I felt like that was the closest uh, of what is taught here at UCM that can build off of what I do. Um, I work with engineers all the time because they'll bring me blueprints and drawings, so I'm always uh, manufacturing items as a machinist. So I work with engineering uh, engineers all the time, so I thought, okay, engineering tech is what I could build what I do in the military, build off of that, and continue on. So when do you hope to graduate from that program? Uh, I, I hope next May. Um, or May of 2021, actually. Uh, I ended up uh, getting kind of talked into uh, double majoring or double emphasis in the major. Uh, so it kind of really stretched things out and lengthened my time here. But I enjoy it. I love it. I love being here. So. What are your uh, emphasis? Uh, both mechanical and industrial engineering tech. Okay. And what do you hope to do after uh, you graduate? Do you hope to stay in the Air Force or do you hope to... Uh, get a job somewhere else? Uh, I need two more years in the Air Force to get my 20. Uh, there I'll kind of decide, do I want to stay or do I want to go uh, as far as retiring. But uh, I wouldn't mind staying in the area. I've already told the faculty here in my department I, I plan on rolling right into the master's program, so I'd, I'd, I'll be here for the long haul. So. Okay, well, thank you for sharing your story. And I guess uh, it's my story. No, I've never served in the military. Uh, I'm actually not really from a military family. My grandfather, he served in the National Guard for like 40 years. 
but he was obviously in the National Guard and just did small stuff, uh, a lot of machinery stuff, and uh, I know he was a mechanic for quite a while, and therefore while he was a parts specialist, so he was the one ordering parts for tanks and stuff. Um, my name is Garrett. Um, I graduated from Boonville High School a couple years ago, uh, right up the road in Boonville. It's not like Oak Grove, it is actually farther, but still in the central Missouri area. Uh, I'm a junior studying digital media production with an emphasis in digital journalism. Uh, I formerly worked uh, at the Mule Skinner. I was a design editor starting uh, my freshman year, so that would have been back in January 2018, whenever I started up there. Uh, kind of like Cameron here, I am expected to graduate in May 2021. And after my time here is up, I hope to get a job in web design after I graduate. So that's a little bit about me. Other than that, uh, I'm a pretty boring person. So um, thank you for listening to the UCM Veterans Voice podcast. Tune back in next time when we debunk military myths and discuss what it's like to transition back into civilian life. Have a great day.